0: You're listening to Metal and High Heels, the official podcast from the magazine about metal, lifestyle, and entertainment.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Metal and High Heels podcast. This is episode 90 already. <laughs> we are almost at the number 100. My name is Pierre, and I'm here today with my co-host Kiki. Hello Kiki. Hi, hello everyone. And we have a very special topic today because mostly we are talking about music and stuff connected to that. And today we will talk about a video game, but that video game also has to do a lot with music. Um And we have a guest today. <laughs> His name is Arnold and um he took a big part in, yeah, actually producing this game or making this game actually. So hi Arnold, Um, please introduce yourself with your name, your pronouns and explain a little bit uh, what you're doing.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Arnold. What I'm doing is a great question. Um, (laughs) Originally I am a composer for video games. So I was doing um, music for video games for the past 10 years. And even more originally, I had a band named Pritia and we were a progressive symphonic metal band. And when we were working on our second album, we wanted to make uh, something more special. So I suggested maybe making an album as a game. That was five years ago. And since then we became Caprizia, well, Caprizia the band became Caprizia Productions, uh, (laughs) which is uh, now uh, uh, in the game development studio. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much the, the base of the story.
1: So your former band became this gaming <laughs> uh, gaming company so to speak so is the band part of the company as well
2: Um I mean no no not really uh it was started by the same guys um as the project progressed we uh, we brought uh, like famous musicians or musicians at least from famous bands to uh, make the, the music itself like to record it. So from the original band, I think at the moment I'm the only one in the company. Mm-hmm. So it was like a transformation from, uh, yeah, just your average band to like company studio, never startup. I'm never sure how to name it, but, uh, um, yeah, but, uh, from the original account of the band, I'm the only one who was left.
1: And do you still, or music is a big part of this game, as I already said. Do you play an instrument also um, in the soundtrack, so to speak, of the game? Or is it by all those musicians that are featured? Um.
2: So, uh, or, like, originally I, I'm, I'm a guitarist, um, but I always thought of myself as a composer, mostly.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, So the music is composed by me. I think that the soundtrack does have a few, uh, lines that I recorded and then they just stayed there, but the vast majority is recorded by, by the famous artists, let's call them. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty sure there are a few, like, you know, lines here and there that are left, uh, from my demos, but, (laughs) but but all of those are by mistake.
1: Okay, so um let's make maybe two parts um of our of our chat. Let's talk about the video game first and then about the about all the other musicians and the corporations that you've done mm-hmm.
0: so you already uh, said that this has been in the works for around five years, and uh, on the website of Cabricia Productions, I found a video of a gameplay demo from two thousand and fifteen uh, but it actually looked familiar. Have you been? Releasing stuff since then, um, videos and demos and teasers since then already? Or did you start with that part of the promotion just recently?
2: So, yeah, A, by the time this is online, the, the website is probably going to be a new one because the, the website is very old and outdated. Um, So the video that you're watching is from the very first, uh, prototype that we did when we started the project, uh, Mm -hmm. it was like maybe two months after we started. And also we are always confused when people ask us, like, when did you start? Because, uh, like, you know how it goes, there is like a a big difference between when you think about like, was the project started when you thought about the idea, was it started when you wrote the first song? Was it started Mm -hmm. when you recruited the first team? Um, so, That's a very
0: good point. <laughs> so,
2: so there isn't like an actual date where I can say you know this project started exactly. Then um, the idea I think started flowing around 2013, maybe, and the actual like game development uh, started uh, around 2016. Um, so it's I'd say 2015, 16 is where we actually. Um, like started doing it, you know, seriously full time, let's call it with an actual team. And mm-hmm. before that we were playing around and making this prototype was part of the playing around.
0: All right. Was the video public back then? Were you already reaching out to audiences in 2015 or 16?
2: Yeah, so back then we we we, we were naive and uh, stupid, so to say. Uh, like truth, truth be told, it was uh, quite an insane journey on that front. Because again, we we were a metal band, and then for some reason we decided that we can make a game. Um, <laughs> and whenever I tell that to people from the gaming industry, they laugh. Like usually, all the media coverage that we're getting from the um, gaming side focuses on that. That's like how the hell did a metal like band turn into a gaming studio? Um, <laughs> so uh, our first plan was to actually just do the music and maybe hire someone, like work for hire. Um, Again, we, we were kind of, you know, starting our way and doing very stupid things. So the first thing we did is go to huge investors, I'm talking like people who invested into Facebook and stuff like that, saying like, guys, we have this brilliant idea, you know, like imagine an album, which is also a game and now will give us millions. Um, <laughs> and then we were very surprised when that didn't work. Um, <laughs> so we were like, okay, maybe we need a demo or something. And we did the demo and we opened the Patreon page and that actually worked. Uh, we got a lot of, uh, support and, uh, some people were, uh, helping us. Uh, like it wasn't big numbers, but, um, but we had some, uh, support from the community and that video was released real like at that time, it was to show it to investors and publishers and stuff like that. Uh, but also to kind of, sh- this is the first thing we show to the world like we're going to do this which by mm-hmm. the way if if you would ask me today i i think like releasing something that early was a mistake because the game looks nothing like that video like nowadays yeah. um but uh but yeah that's uh that's how this video came to life
0: i see <laughs> honestly this is to me a really cool origin story <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I think the best ideas start from that kind of passion and wanting to combine two passions and two things that you really like, kind of like how we started with the magazine. What?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, we were very much, very different
0: in the beginning <laughs> What we were doing yeah, as now. well. <laughs> True. Exactly. I like that a lot. And also... Um, You have to have uh, some kind of crazy idea nowadays to be able to draw attention to yourself, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I I always tell a funny story about this that because I was the only one from somewhat the gaming industry, again, I was working like as a composer for a game. So I, mm-hmm. while I didn't know the technical side of it, at least I knew people who were making games, right? Um, yeah. And I was the only one in the band. And when we came up with the idea and we decided to go for it, I remember like sitting them down and explaining to them that, um, I don't think they know what they're getting into. And I was like, look, making games is really hard. Like you probably don't know this, but it's really, really hard. And I was giving them like this whole speech and the base point of it was that like, if we're actually going to do this, prepare that it's going to be 10 times harder than what you think. And -hmm. then whenever like I get asked, you know, like a tip I would give myself, go traveling back in time or something. I say that I would take myself to the same talk and explain to myself that whatever I'm thinking, it's <laughs> gonna be a lot more hard and a lot more crazy. Yeah, like, looking back, this really is... So, the game is, like, finally being released on May 20th, and looking back, it's kind of... I-, I can't believe that we made it. You know what I mean? It's like... Uh, it, I I don't know. Like, lo- looking back, it really, really was a crazy idea that like the chances of it's becoming a reality. We're pretty much zero.
0: Um, Now it is. Congratulations. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the
1: game is called Of Bird in Cage. Um, Please tell us a bit about it. What is the game about? What's the story of the game?
2: Um, So first of all, I'm uh, going to explain a little, uh, like a few things about it, because I think this is important to understand before we start talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that makes this game so special is because as as far as I know, and I'm pretty sure I know, this is the first uh, album completely released as a game. Um, And to be more exact, as a story-driven game. Now, there were some places like uh, projects in history that obviously try to com- combine gaming and music, obviously guitar hero comes to mind and you know, all this like rhythm games, genre, um, stuff like that. There was a project called Karma flow, which is really, um, interesting, but I think this yeah. is the first time where it's like, um, the playing the game is the same as listening to the album. Like the music never stops. It never changes. You press play and you're, you know, you're experiencing an album like you normally would experience music, but also there is a game uh, that you're playing at the same time. Uh, a good way to explain it to non-gamers would be, imagine a two-hour long video clip that is as interactive as a game. Like, you don't just make choices once in a while, but you're actually f- completely free to roam around, shoot, talk to people, I don't know, whatever.
1: I have a um, question about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting, but... That was uh, going to be one of my questions because that confuses me a bit. Um, the description also says that you discover this to our Symphonic Metal album. So does uh-huh. that mean that the playtime of the game is two hours or how can I understand that? What, what happens to the music when I run around and talk to, to people, to NPCs in the game?
2: So the music always stays the same. Like the, the we had two rules when starting this project that whoever we brought to the team we said this is like non-debatable. Like we can talk about anything, we can change anything except those two main points which is the music never stops and it never changes. Um so Karmaflow for example which probably we'll talk more about this project at some point.
3: Um,
2: mm-hmm. but uh but in any case it it's also like a metal oriented game. But the music there depends on the player's actions. So depending on what the player does, the music kind of changes. And this is usually how um, game music works. So it's called adaptive music, and it's a pretty common thing in gaming where you have some soundtrack, and then the soundtrack knows how to change based on the player's action. In this case, it's the other way around, and this is why I'm saying that this is I'm not, by the way, even saying that it's a good idea, but but, <laughs> but but it is very special in that sense that I think this is the first time where this is being made, that the game changes uh, according to the music, which always stays the same. So, for example, you can, um, let's say you're running down an alley, which is the video that you mentioned, right? Um the alley will always be the same length. So you are running for, I don't know, the, the metal part, which is like one minute exactly, right? And at the end of this minute, something will happen. So okay. if, like, you can succeed to run away from the guy, you can fail, you can turn left, you can turn right, different things will happen depending on what you do. But no matter where you go, all of those branches are always synced To the music, and the events will happen when something happens to the music. So, for example, you go from a verse to a chorus, right? So, maybe some event will happen there. Um, You know, flashes all around you in the world. It doesn't matter what you do, the game will always stay in sync with the music and change based on your actions.
1: Mm -hmm. So, um, after two hours, I will be done with the game no matter what I did. If I do nothing, I might be (laughs) killed or whatever. I don't know.
0: Like, what happens if you go AFK? <laughs>
2: you, you actually can't go AFK. It's fine. It's in, in that, um, well, that also connects to the, to the story a bit, but the story is that you're being kidnapped. Um, so you will be kidnapped. Things will happen around you. It's kind of like uh, real life in that sense. You know what I mean? Like the world will continue with or without you. So imagine you're on a train rail. Um, so the train, you know, has a path. And this is how Gita's life will turn out uh, if you don't intervene and change anything. But you can also change the outcome and, you know, take the train to different rails. Um, So, yeah, you can go, if can, just watch it as a movie. I'm not saying it will be the most fascinating thing (laughs) you ever did. uh, (laughs) Because, like, there will be moments where, you know, you're supposed to explore things and you don't explore, so you just stare at the wall. But, uh, but technically, yes, the, the game is two hours long, and if you don't, uh, like once you pass the tutorial, there's like a tutorial, you know, to teach the player what to press and stuff, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. most games. But once you're done with the tutorial, you can just stop playing, and the game will get to the end uh, on its own.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. wow. So, so I have a, but I have a pause button, right?
2: <laughs> yeah you have a pause button also i'm I'm a bit <laughs> exaggerating because between songs you need to load things, so you do need to press like continue once in a while um but uh but yeah and, and then by the way, you can go back and change your decisions and explore you know what would have happened if you would succeed or succeed or like fail at different things or make different choices so like mm-hmm. um let's say one run through of the game is two hours always. Um, but you can, like, like an album, you can listen to it. Uh, I don't know. However, again much you again. yeah. With and, different and, and, endings. Yeah. And it did, And in this case, like have different results and different, you know, visuals every time you play.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, is the game more comparable to games like heavy rain or beyond two souls and Until dawn where there is also a lot of actions and, um, this, uh, the different endings, more possibilities of endings, or is it more like the telltale video games, or something in between, like Life is Strange? To which one of these could I compare it?
2: Um, a, it's a very interesting question because, like, I uh, I didn't realize you know gaming so uh, well until now. Because all of those, are, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, all of those are like the same genre techniques. It's like asking, you know, like. Um, I don't know, like, uh, okay, so it's like uh, Doom Metal, but you know, which exactly Doom Metal are you <laughs> like doing? Um, it's generally speaking, like all those games that, that you mentioned are considered like story driven.
1: Um, yeah, with so... different decisions that you can do. But, but in um, the Telltales, you have different paths that you can go, but they always lead to the same ending, like also in Life is Strange. Uh, Life is Strange... Even Left more, stars, is, you have two endings, you
0: have different endings, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, but you don't have so many options. Um, you have, yeah. th- maybe three decisions that will um influence the ending of the story, but mm-hmm. uh, you don't have so many possibilities like in Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls or so. Yeah,
2: it's, it, it's some, okay. So I'll start by that when, like, you remember I said, when we are explaining the game to non-gamers, we say, you know, um, imagine a video clip two hours long and all those stuff. So when we're describing the game to gamers, we always say, imagine life is strange. If it was a rock opera. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, okay. So
2: life is strange is a very good, uh, reference for us. Also graphics wise, um, like it has a lot of, uh, you know, life is Strangey vibes to it. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more active than that. Like uh, we have a lot more mechanics, like, I don't know, shooting, running away, jumping, uh, fighting, like melee fighting and stuff like that. Um, so it's, I would say it's life is strange, but with more active playing
1: in many <laughs> A places. big touch of heavy rain. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Heavy, heavy rain is like a quick time event uh, based yeah. So we have a lot of quick time events mm-hmm. and endings wise, I, I can be pretty upfront and say that we have a, well, let's say around eight endings. It depends how you count, but somewhere in that area.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. On which platforms is it available?
2: Aha. I have a funny answer here. Uh, So on May 20th, it comes out on PC. Um, Now we'll choose my words carefully. It was rumored to also uh, come out to PlayStation, Xbox and Switch soon, although we never officially announced it. Um, So what I'll do is I won't deny it.
1: (laughs) 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 But you can tell us the date or something or if it will happen at all. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, how many people have been working on the game?
3: Uh, a lot.
2: Um, <laughs> again, depends how you define working. Um, so the studio is pretty big, actually. I don't know how this happened, but, um, but we, we kind of became the biggest indie studio in Israel. Uh, which is not that impressive because our indie gaming scene here is not huge, but the studio is uh, 21 people at the moment, uh, like working full time Mm -hmm. with, uh, I don't know, uh, around 20, 30 freelancers uh, also working with us. And, Mm -hmm. and also we had some, you know, people who changed over the years. So I'd say a total of, probably 60, 70 people were involved in the project development, not including like publishing and translations uh, and uh, stuff like that.
1: Okay. Um, You already said that you have different ways to explain the game to gamers and to people who are actually into music. But how does your target group look like? Is it mostly gamers or mostly music lovers or is it music loving gamers only?
2: Great question. Um, we, we've been trying to figure that one for the, the last six years or so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, when we pitched the project back in the day for investors and stuff, we said that our audience group was um, rock and metal lovers who have at least one game on Steam or any other console. So anyone who's who likes rock and metal and you know, play the game like a PC or a console game in, in their life, at least one,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, I'm guessing we will have some people who install steam just, you know, for the first time to play this game because they are coming just for the music. Um, I also guess that we'll have a lot of people that just see this on steam and they are pretty into it. Um, But they're not specifically like huge music lovers. But, but, but I think that's our demographics, like gamers who are into rock and metal, which by the way, fun fact, we did a research about it and it's a lot bigger than you would guess. Like from, at least from our research back in the day, around 67% of gamers mostly listen to
0: rock and metal. Damn, so, nice.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, like we're not a research company, so maybe our research was completely flawed, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, But what we came up with, at least, it's uh, it's that gamers are actually metalheads.
1: Yeah, but uh, you might be right because there are also some people like Kiki's husband who (laughs) only listen to metal while gaming, for example. Mm -hmm. So it fits pretty well most of the time. Yeah, yeah.
2: I I also think that, like, um, how how to say this? Like, researchers aside, I think, like, on the instinctual level, like uh, most people kind of see that those things go hand in hand. You know what I mean? Like most of my metalhead friends are gamers and the other way around.
1: Mm -hmm. I think also both scenes um, consist of outsiders or nerds. So Mm -hmm. not mainstream people, so to speak. So there, I also think that there is a big, um, the mix, or that many people who listen to metal also are into
0: gaming, like <laughs> Kiki and me, for example. Yes. Yeah,
1: and, <laughs> yeah and, and I was me. also
0: thinking. <laughs> I was also thinking right now, if we're thinking cliches, uh, people who are not gamers, they're outside, of course they're listening to Bob. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what you were just saying um, made me think that you are not releasing the music only? Will the music be available on streaming platforms or as an even a physical CD album? Um,
2: so we've been, uh, it's again, one of the questions that we've been deciding for the past many years. Um, if I'm completely honest yesterday, we had another meeting with our publisher about this and Mm -hmm. we still can't decide hundred percent. And like we have pretty much exactly 21 days to decide that. Um, I, I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, ideally, we want the people to play together. Um, mm-hmm. I, I obviously won't, won't mind... Uh, uh, sorry, I'll phrase it differently. I'll, what, what I'll say is that ideally, in my ideal world, I would want whoever buys the album to be able to play the game if he wants to.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and obviously, if you play the game, you'll get the album or you are able to listen to the music just because you you bought the game Mm -hmm. and you can't have the game without the album Um, so I I definitely wouldn't mind people listening to it without the game Um, I think it's a much better and more interesting experience if you do it with the game Um, but like we won't prevent it uh, so to speak from uh, um
0: from happening yeah
2: yeah and and also i can give you a bit of a scoop for for this show um (laughs) so we the music is probably gonna be um like copyright free um we we don't want like we want people to be able to stream it and share it as much as (laughs) they want and financially speaking we're more you know depending on the game sales so even if if that's the case and that's gonna be the case. Um even if we don't upload it to you know Spotify, then someone will.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So uh so yeah, for sure. At, at the end of the day, yes, you will be able like able to to, to listen to the
3: music without the game.
1: Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um before we talk about the music more, so the game is about a young woman who is addicted and who has a very specific relationship to her drug dealer.
2: Um, yeah. Okay. So I, I, I'll, I'll start with uh, the story is very, very, very dark. Um, it's not, um, I mean, one of the like interesting things we, we have with this project is that usually when we're saying, Oh, we're making a metal album as a video game. Everyone are like, Ooh, that sounds dope. You know? And we're like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's like a very heavy story oriented game. Um, and the story is, it touches a lot of very sensitive subjects. Um, so basically, at the base of it, it's a rewrite of uh, Beauty and the Beast, a very modern, dark, and twisted version of it. Um, and basically, it's about Kita, uh, who's young, she had a very bad life with involving some domestic abuse and she's a drug dealer. Uh, sorry, she's a drug addict. Her boyfriend, if that's the right word, is also her drug dealer. And then, like her life is not great, to, to say the least. Um, her dad and the whole family has some trauma, which I won't get into because it's a spoiler, mm-hmm. but, you know, something bad happened there. And at some point, she gets uh, just uh, kidnapped by someone which she doesn't know why and with time she starts identifying with him and seeing the good side of him and she learns about him and she understands what's you know um and in her mind let's call it uh he turns into prince charming which is beauty and the beast right um what actually happens is she develops uh Stockholm syndrome which is where mm-hmm. you know people who are kidnapped just start identifying with the kidnappers um so yeah that's the very base of the story
1: okay and then you have about eight different endings of how the story can turn out yes based on your um, decisions or actions yeah I, I,
2: I will also say that there is like uh three acts in the game and the Second act is pretty much the end of the beauty and the beast part and act 3 is like uh, our own addition let's call it. Mhm.
0: And what exactly inspired you to adapt this specific tale um of the beauty and the beast and that problematic
2: um well, it, it started with the bar conversation, like always, where someone said, like, have you ever thought about this story? The story is like, doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. there is a girl that is being like shipped off to a beast. And then suddenly, like, also if we take the Disney version, you know, she starts talking to dishes at some <laughs> point. Um, and then like, suddenly he turns into a prince and everything is cool. And it's like, yep, she's definitely losing her mind. Um, <laughs> like that's literally what happens. And we had this like really interesting conversation of like suddenly realizing that this is an awful and terrible story, which we were told to as kids. And suddenly we realized that like, you know, we've been lied to, you know what I mean? It's
1: mm-hmm. like, Everything everyone... about it is wrong. Yes.
2: That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what actually happened. There is completely different, but our parents told us like, Oh, you know, they changed the, the actual terms of what happened there so that it's suitable for kids. Um, and, that and it's a like, love
0: story and yeah. Um,
2: yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> I, I have a very funny interview I made once it's somewhere on YouTube, you can search it where like, I'm talking about this, uh, sorry, and I was a bit drunk in this interview, and that's exactly what I said. Like at the end of the day, it's a long story, a very fucked up and dark <laughs> love story, but a love story. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, if if I'm honest about the whole story, um, a I think. We did good on that front. I I think we made a lot of mistakes along the way, and you know, looking back, obviously there are stuff I'd be happy to improve. As with any art you create, Um, story-wise, I think we did really good, and I I think it's it's a really interesting story because, a, yeah, you have the whole Beauty and the Beast aspect, and when you go deeper into that, it's like you know, who's right, who's wrong, what do we really know about the Beast, right? Like. Mm -hmm. Because everything is told like pretty much from like Belle's perspective and then, you know, maybe he's just a psychopath. You know what I mean? That's kind of like the first conversation we ever had about it was like, maybe she's wrong and he's, he never turned into a prince and he's just a psychopath and it's all in her mind. Or maybe he really changed because of her and for her. and. So on, so you can like tackle it from a lot of uh, different angles, which is kind of what we try to do.
0: Cool. Uh, how much research did you um do about this specific Stockholm syndrome that you already mentioned as well?
3: um
2: i uh, yeah I, I never know how to answer this question like we we talk to to you know people that Know about this? We did a lot of reading. In one conference that we were, we actually met a guy whose uh, dad or grandfather were like a um, part of the incident that the whole it, like syndrome is called because of. Like, mm-hmm. My my English is going away suddenly, but um, <laughs> like there was I can relate incident to incident <laughs> where yeah, <laughs> there was like one incident where this uh,
3: it got the name from. So. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't know, a fair amount of research. <laughs> I'm not sure
2: okay, I have that's a really good, good answer here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, um, uh, it's, I think it's just important to, to, to get yourself informed. Um, um, yeah, before you, uh, start, uh, working in such, a um, with, with such an important thematic, uh, or, or such a deep subject as well. Um,
3: yeah, it's like
2: uh, I I have to say that like oh, okay I'll I'll have a moment of of honesty here and I'm talking personally me and not you know representing the company for a second. Mm-hmm. I think it took us a while to realize how I wouldn't say like how serious, but how in, important it is to treat the subjects that we have in the game correctly. Um, I don't think we we fully understood it until. Day one, and until we saw people playing it and reacting to it, um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: like for me personally at least, it, it it took a while to understand that what we're how to say it, like what we're doing can impact people.
1: It triggers in, people.
2: In, yeah, or it can trigger um, them. Yeah, yeah, exactly, um, and. Then it was a very big struggle within the team itself because, like every team, a team is global. So what you get is a lot of very different mentalities. And mm-hmm. on those, like let's call it, you know, subjects like the Israeli mentality is not the same as a Brazilian mentality, and not the same as a German mentality, right? Um, so you need to tread carefully between dealing with them on one hand, because I believe art should be dealing with them on the other hand exactly how and everyone has their own thoughts and their own lines when it comes to that and yeah it's like uh it was a struggle i, I i'm also sure that a lot of people will hate it because of that by the way like i'm completely sure about that um but well. then again i I also keep reminding myself that you know it's it's art at the end of the day it's fine if people hate, hate art
1: like- yeah but there's a cool <laughs> side effect that you also educated yourself through the process.
0: Yes. And it would be even better if you could, um, if that would be a side effect of the game, so to speak, (laughs) if people would also, uh, uh, educate themselves, that's the right word exactly about all of this.
2: Yeah. Although I, I want to mention something that came out in a lot of PR meetings we had, for example, is that how do I phrase this? the game is very not there to teach you anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It it yes. gives you a, a given situation, which is obviously bad. And then you decide what you do with it. And mm-hmm. you can do pretty much whatever, well, not whatever you want, but, you know, the the, the choices are pretty wide. Um, and I'm not sure how people will take that. Um, my hopes is that good, but uh, I, I don't think that's we were trying to like say you know hey look at this this is a good thing or a terrible thing it was more of a like Mm. this is the situation and let's explore how things can
3: develop from here
1: it's maybe a bit also like with music or when you write a song about a specific topic then people can decide for themselves what they do with it if they just listen to it and don't Uh, pay attention to the lyrics at all. So they never find out what the song exactly is about, or maybe it touches them because of the instruments and the melodies used. And some people might also read the lyrics, think about the topic, find themselves in there, or maybe even find a topic which they think, oh, well, that's interesting. I never thought about the world like this, and I want to learn more about that. So
0: Exactly. uh, That's what I meant. Um, If if it's wakes up some curious side of the players. Um, so to, so that they want to dig deeper in this, in the subject, that would be an awesome, um, side effect. And P and I had, a uh, um, a quick conversation before, before you joined us. And it was about, um, the protagonist being a female character mm-hmm. and, um, and her being, like so often, or in so many stories, the uh, the weak person who has to be freed or, or free herself, right? And um, uh, as much as I also think that this is a very difficult tale, and this is specifically a difficult tale to gender reverse or to play around with, um, I also think that nowadays we have to uh, be conscious about those portrayals and uh at least talk about it at least have a conversation about it and um yeah uh, but on the positive side as well um the protagonist is a woman and we also don't see that in games that much so (laughs) Uh (laughs) that is a bonus point um my question was um how many women were in your team um and how much of a concern was that
2: so it depends on the uh, like timing of the company, I'd say between 25% to 50, that's kind of the area of, uh, of women in the development team, uh, again, it changes, you know, over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I'm, I'm I, I think those are pretty high numbers because I, I yeah. think that in general in game development there are less uh, female, sadly. Um,
3: and the cons- metal, <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: yes,
2: <laughs> and yeah, this concern like um, came up e- even though there was like the starting point of, you know, we're doing beauty and the beast. So it's not like we sat down and we were like, okay, do we have a female protagonist? Uh, do we have like the, the idea of making an album that's that retells the, the beauty and the beast was there before we even knew that it was going to be a game. Mm-hmm. So by the time we got to the game, it was already like a, a given that, you know, um, we're going to have Gita like, as, as the main character. Um, so we, we, it wasn't like a decision we ever thought about. I don't know if that answers the question, but,
0: uh, yeah, I think, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, was it a topic, um, also for you, how many women are in your team? Um,
2: honestly, okay. Again, I, I'm not for a second. I'm gonna do a disclosure me personally, not company-wise, mm-hmm. um, for me personally, no to but that I think comes from a good reason i I really don't care who the person I'm hiring is um i I care what he is doing, so if he's a great animator or she's a great animator, it's awesome if he's from Ghana or if he's from Germany, you know as long as we can pay the salary, we will take him um generally speaking i don't really mind the I, I i don't know how to carefully phrase it like uh how many of each group the company has and if we're correct on this term I'm, i i think my job is to create a
3: great company and mm-hmm. find the best people to do it um so
0: yes we could go on for hours on that topic actually um mm-hmm. but for the purpose of this, <laughs> of this <laughs> interview and this analysis of, of the game, I would say uh, we can just continue. Um, the fact I, I think it's actually a, a good thing that whether or not that was, um, I don't know that was ideal in 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 our perspective of or at least my perspective of wanting. A, everything and everywhere to be richly diverse in all of the identities, which I think is also beneficial for the product or for the work of art in the end to have all these different perspectives. Um, The fact that your uh, company or your team has already involved, as you were saying before, uh, people from all over the world is already uh, probably very enriching to the content. so, yeah, I mean, it's, everything is a process as and as you said yourself, right, we are all, um, growing and we, we can all learn from, from, from all this process and make things better in the future. And, um, we have delved a lot into the, the game. I have one more question about that. You've been talking about, uh, investors and things, um, how did you then finally get the financing to make this?
2: Um, so there were a few stages to that. The first one was patron, um, which uh, again, when we were just planning the idea, just had one prototype, we opened the Patreon and we went on Twitter and we were searching for people who are into gaming and metal. And then we were sending them cute sticky notes uh, of like help our patron. <laughs> and and that worked uh, so our patron got to I think at its peak at like 3k a month something like that which mm-hmm. isn't a lot by any terms but um, it suddenly opened a lot of possibilities for us like doing the project with zero and with 3k is, is a huge difference of course and we were able to, you know, hire some freelancers here and there and go to gaming conferences. And in gaming conferences, we met uh, our first investors. They are a published studio uh, called Robot Gentlemen, um, and yeah, they became our investors. Nowadays, we're really good friends. Um, but uh but we actually met them at a business meeting Mm -hmm. and after that and that was like the beginning of the financing and then we hired people and that's kind of what allowed us to build the company and later we signed a publishing deal with uh, all in games so that that's pretty much the the funding for this
0: cool so you reached out to your community before really building it
2: yeah. Also the community, it really helped having a community when talking to investors, because
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, let's take two years before that When, as I told you that like, like the first thing we did when we came up with the idea was go to investors mm-hmm. and like literally imagine a pitch going like, Hey, we have this crazy idea of making a metal album as you know, a video game. Um, we have no experience in making games. We're a metal album, like a metal band, not a huge one. Like we were doing okay in Israel, but man, nah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have zero money. We have zero people. We like this is how the the, the our first pitch sounded to investors. Mm-hmm. Um, versus like two years later when we already came with a prototype, and then also a big part of it was like you know, hey, look. Like we already have an active patron. People are supporting us and giving us yeah. money. Uh, we did pre-sales at the very beginning of this project and it sold like 3,800 copies under 24 hours, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we came with all that to investors and, you know, it was more of a like, Hey, we are actually doing this thing and we can actually do it. Like we still screwed up, for example, our first contract, uh, like release date talks about, I think May 2016 or 17. So we're like four years late now <laughs> from from the first, uh, investment contract. But, uh, so like we, we did screw up a lot along the way, but, uh, but Hey, but, but we kept our promise. Like we, we actually did make it. So that's something.
0: Indeed, and um, it was actually quite a surprise. I had been, um, I had it on my Steam wishlist since last year, and all of a sudden, it was like it's coming out, and it's like next month already. <laughs> yeah, uh, it went from to be confirmed to um, two months afterwards, or something like that. In two months.
2: Yeah, that's because we couldn't decide on a release date. Um, so <laughs> by the time we decided, uh, it was uh, already like, well. Game is pretty much done. Uh, We we are ready to release. You know,
0: that's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your musical background? Um, Since when have you been playing guitar? Do you play any other instruments?
3: Um, Been
2: playing guitar since I was fourteen, I think, Uh, because I I started because I wanted to be the cool kid (laughs) in school. Uh, It didn't really work that way. But uh, uh, so for the first few years I studied on my own because my parents didn't want to pay for lessons and I remember like uh, thinking okay like my goal was to play Nothing Else Matters and then I was like I'm gonna play this song and then I'll be out like that, mm-hmm. that will be enough to be cool um, then I don't know after a few months I was able to play Nothing Else Matters and, like, Yeah, it doesn't
1: sound so difficult to learn <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, going from nothing, it's not, it's not yeah. that easy. But, um, but yeah, but then, I don't know, a few months in, I was like, uh, I knew how to play Nothing Else Matters. I still wasn't cool. So that was a disappointment, but, uh, but I was completely hooked on playing and I was sure that I was going to be a, you know, a guitarist. Um, then I studied pretty much by myself, but very seriously like I, I would play like i don't know six eight hours a day then um I wanted to go to um m i t uh in the u s um mm-hmm. got in instead of that i went to the army uh because israel you have to uh and then after the army, I went to study um like music in uh in the college here in Israel. And by that time I got really into dream theater and specifically since from memory, um, this uh, until today, by the way, in my mind, this is the most like brilliant piece of music ever written, including like Bach and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of figured that this is what I want to do. Like I want to create music that tells stories. And, and I was kind of lucky that I figured that very early. Um, that I, I don't so much care about playing. I don't so much care about composing beautiful music. I like to support stories with music. And so I went to study film scoring, even though I didn't really have any interest in composing for films. Mm -hmm. Um, and my like dream was to just compose metal concept albums. Uh, but that's why I went to study film scoring. because It was like thematic composition where you know you' you're composing something for a story, yeah, so I did that. I was all done with studies, and then I was like, um hey, I'm also a gamer, so mm, you know maybe that's a good direction to go to uh so I started going to events and doing stuff like that but um, I kind of got lucky because back then being a composer for games wasn't a thing. Um, so I kind of was at the right place at the right time. I think I was one of the only, like maybe two, three people in Israel, at least saying like, you know, that's what I'm doing in life. I'm a game composer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of started the same time the industry here started and was kind of, I don't know, lucky to get a career out of it. And yeah, this is my probably way too long and too detailed musical history.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that, now that you mentioned Dream Theater, what do you think about the Liquid Tension Experiment album that just came out recently? The new one? Yeah.
2: Um, not as good as the first two, but uh, I think I'm like, I, I, you know, like they're so icon- iconic for me that. Like ask me that in four years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but happy that there is a third one. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm happy. From uh, well, now I'm gonna be like the super fanboy. But you know, if every note that comes out of Fratucci, I'm I'm happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what What else do you listen to? What are your other musical influences? Um,
2: a lot of game soundtracks. Um, progressive. Um, I don't know, OPA, Dream Theater, Symphonics, stuff like that. A lot of symphonic metal. Um, probably, I, I know this will sound funny, but, you know, if you look at the Birdcage, like, musicians, they were brought in by, you know, oh, those are my favorite musicians. So, The Temptation, Epica, I don't know, Therion, Evanescence. Uh, I love Evergrey. Love them. Like, one of my favorite bands. Um, I love a Russian band named DDT that no one knows. Um, So (laughs) mostly like symphonic progressive metal, but also a lot of random stuff from different places. Yeah.
0: Um, I guess that already answers my question of how you selected the musicians, um, you wanted to work with for, for the game for, of burden cage. And, but how did you get in touch with them?
2: Um, so. Th- that's a question that I wish I had a super cool answer for, but I don't. I emailed them. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, I, I I was able to find a few emails of them. I think the first one I talked to was Casey from Camelot. Now he's, like, uh I think with Queensrike, but... Uh, back then he was with Camelot mm-hmm. and I messaged him and he was awesome. Like he, he, he was like, I, I sent him the idea and he wrote to me like, dude, that sounds awesome. I am in." that was his message. And like email me more details too <laughs> here. <laughs> um, and then it kind of went from uh, word to mouth, and it became a lot easier because like, you know, once, once we had like the first two or three, and I think the first mm-hmm. two were Casey and rude. Um Rude, our band, was talking to their management about uh, touring with them. So I kind of remembered that he was a gamer. So I messaged him, and he really liked the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we had Casey and Rude, it was a lot easier to, A, get to people, and B, to like get them to agree. Also, money helps.
3: Um, yeah. it, it, became
2: even, <laughs> it became even easier when money appeared. But... Uh... <laughs>
0: Yes, and some of the musicians that you are working with that, um, yeah, we haven't really mentioned yet are uh Cobra Page from Cobra and the Lotus, Rob Vandalo from Epica that's my favorite band, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Worsnap from Asking Alexandria, and uh, you just mentioned uh Rogioli from Within Temptation, and there are many, many others, so it's actually a pretty impressive um lineup, quote unquote. Thank you. So, um, yeah, uh, I am really looking forward to this.
2: <laughs> Me too. I am and... not having a heart attack at all. It's
0: <laughs> I'm, everything I'm doing
3: great. great.
0: <laughs> and you have to tell us though, about the shows at the gaming conventions. There is at least one video out, um, with mm. a really impressive performance with orchestra and everything.
2: Um, Yeah, uh, that was uh, something unexpected along the journey. Okay, so opening a studio is a crazy thing and you find yourself doing like insane stuff you never thought you would do. Um, And that was one of them. So at some point I was um, uh, talking to a conference that had like uh, a show of um, music soundtracks. It was Mm -hmm. like a classical show. And I was talking to the organizer and he was like, Hey, why don't we do something from Birdcage? I was like, "Yeah, that sounds fun." Um, and I, I don't know. Then, then we did, and it's it was insane. Um, a for me, it was personally insane because, like, my dream since I decided to become a musician was this. It was like, like I said, I was into you know symphonic progressive metal, mm-hmm. and I don't think a lot of people get to actually realize this dream of like playing with with a live orchestra. Yeah. Um, so I, I I worked with orchestras before f- for game music, um, so it wasn't new to me. I worked with metal bands, obviously that wasn't new to me. But finally, I was like able to realize this thing, um, and I literally until today, I'm pretty sure those like we played just one track there. But this one track was before the one after Witcher three, and before League of Legends, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. So it was like, you know, (laughs) those those games and Austin Wintory from Journey, who's my, one of my, let's say top three favorite composers and like, you know, inspirations on the game music side was like, uh, he he also went to this conference and, um, conducted his own piece. So I was like sitting next to him. Uh Um, (laughs) yeah, I literally think this was the six scariest minutes of my life. Um, and I'm not exaggerating, like I, 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 I don't remember them at all, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it was awesome. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah. And then after that, we did it a few times. Uh, we did it at the Nordic game and in uh, GAC in, uh, in Poland. So. It was always fun. In uh, in Sweden, we did like a whole show without an orchestra, but with actually all the guys. So we brought uh Food and uh, Rob and Rude and, uh, and Cobra. And we just uh, did rehearsals for a few days. And then we played the live show that was synced to the game. So we had like a streamer playing the game. Mm-hmm. And But the music was, instead of an album, it was played live, which was a technical <laughs> That's nightmare. That's
0: amazing!
2: Yes, I'm pretty sure it's the first time this was done in history. After doing it, I understand why. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, really, the amount of technology that ran during those like hours is is impressive. Um, it's like impressive that humanity can do all that.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> yes! And that the system didn't break
0: down. <laughs> <laughs> and the streamer was able to broadcast the live, the live music.
2: Yeah. You can actually find it on YouTube. It's, uh, his name is Sam chaotic. And there is a whole show of, uh, of,
0: of him we'll playing put that. that in
1: the show notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes,
2: and it's, um, what was I going to say? Oh, about the thing, not breaking down. I have, a a, a really funny story about that. But, uh, if, if it's, It's a bit long, but if it's too long, just cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So when we started the rehearsals, we found a bug that every time, well, almost every time we would get to a loading screen, the game would crash. Now, normally when a game crashes, like it happens, cool, no problem. Problem here is that if the game crashes, then it's like sunk from the beginning and reload the screen. It's like, it's a whole nightmare, right? So we ran the game um, at the rehearsals 21 times. The game crashed somewhere in the middle, 19 uh, out of those. So by the time we started the show, we knew that it was going to crash. And zero solutions. Like seven programmers working 24 hours a day trying to find this issue. Um, No one has even a guess. Um, So... Yeah, so when we went on stage, the first thing we did is we decided well we know that this game is gonna crash like somewhere mid show like <laughs> oh, no. that, 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 again it wasn't even a question because it happened 19 out of 21 yeah. so we were like okay I, we have a brilliant plan which was brilliant by the way so we went on went on stage Ben my co founder started talking and I started pouring like really nasty shots so I put like whiskey and ketchup and jalapeno <laughs> and uh, marshmallow and coke and I made Like those terrible, terrible shots Um, And then we made a game out of it I was like, well, this is Ben He's our producer So he thinks that he did a good job And the game is not going to crash So we have a bet So if the game crashes, he's going to go on stage And do a shot every time the game crashes And if it doesn't crash, then I'll go on At the end and do all five shots (laughs) Um, That's a
0: great bet, yes (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, and then we thought like while we were starting the game and you know all this the embarrassing thing is happening. Also this was Nordic games, which means like there are three thousand people in the audience. All of them are the you know top seniors of the gaming industry, at least the European gaming industry. Um oh, so damn. when the game crashes it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: Um and then yeah, so that was the plan. So we thought, like, well, at least it's going to be super funny when that happens, and everyone will be like, haha, Ben is drinking marshmallows. Um, thing is, the game didn't crash. And <laughs> that was a miracle. And at the end of the show, if, if you listen to it, you see... You, you can hear 3000 people screaming, drink, 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 <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's, and that's me going on stage when no one thought there is any chance of this happening and drinking those terrible, terrible things I, I made for bed, but ended up drinking myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. Mm, we will link that in the show notes for sure if we can find it. <laughs> I um, the video on
2: YouTube, the last few like the, the last few seconds of the video is people screaming, like the crowd screaming, "Drink, drink, mm, drink."
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, just imagine you could go on tour with the project. And you could choose again which musicians you want to take with you as a band. You can choose from any musicians that are alive or also from the musicians that already died. How would your band look like? You can put yourself on the guitar.
2: For this project or any project? Like I'm assembling my dream team for for a different project.
1: Um, No for this project, but you can choose from every musician that has been alive. (laughs) or is alive Um, anyway.
2: So if if it's for this project, then, wait, you said this project, right? Yes. Okay. So for this project, the the cool thing is that this is actually really close to what I would choose. Um, I know that like, this is the very expected answer, but but (laughs) it's the truth because this is how those musicians ended ended up there. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I would have someone from Dream, Dream Theater, um, I, I would have Petrucci, like even if he's playing on a banjo, I will have him. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so I would love to work with Petrucci, uh, someday. Uh, hopefully I still get the chance, but that would be awesome. Um, Michael Romeo from symphony X would also be a great, uh, addition for, uh, for guitars. Problem is, I'm gonna have like seven guitarists. <laughs> since, 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 since you said you can choose anyone, so I'm like, yeah, so Let's have like um, you know, all of them. Yeah, let's have like seven, uh, <laughs> seven guitarists.
1: But it just um, makes sense at some point.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: um, I would be happy to work with Simone from Epica. Um, she's always been one of my favorite singers. Um, uh, Daniel Gildenglau, uh, would be also definitely doing some of the vocals. Uh, would definitely keep Vidi Dolev, the, the guy singing now, like press, the main role. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's not that famous, but I, and I'm not exaggerating. He's the best metal vocalist in the world, if, if you ask me. Like you know, and, and by the way, he wasn't supposed to be in the project. Like, what happened is that we had a uh, pretty uh, famous singer in mind, uh, and we already talked to him, and that was kind of the plan. And then I asked v d to do guides for him, and then he sent us the guides, and we were like, "This, this is Briss, you know, like the, the, it's this is not a guide. This is like the take." <laughs> Um, so I would definitely keep, uh,
0: And you canceled a celebrity? What? (laughs)
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, like, I I don't think he's super sad about this. Um, (laughs) like, I don't think it influenced his life that much. And he was sitting in his castle thinking like, you know, oh, when will Birdcage call me? But, uh, (laughs)
1: you never know <laughs>
2: uh, but yeah that, that was actually i'm pretty proud of this choice because it was pretty early and back then we had this like still thought of like you know um how to say this i i'm not sure we understood how special it is what we're creating so we still had like an poster syndrome let's call it mm-hmm. uh even though i'm pretty sure i still have that Um, but back then, like having big names was still really important for us. Uh, I'd say today it's less of a big deal. Um, but back then making this decision of like a relatively unknown Israeli singer versus like someone pretty big from the metal world. It, it, like I'm, I'm, it was one of the moments looking back that I'm really proud that we made that like we, we went with the artistic truth in this case, because we thought he was more right for the role than, you know, the big name mm-hmm
0: um, um he is pretty impressive from what I have seen and heard um the one of the videos from a live uh performance that you have online uh is really mind blowing yeah. his performance of the song so yeah um, I think at this point we could, uh, as I said, uh, keep talking forever and ever. Uh, we didn't talk about karma flow and we didn't talk about a brutal legend. As like, We didn't even mention it. I thought that would also yeah. be like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> metal and games. Those are the ones, but also metal and games or music in general and games are actually uh, an important topic nowadays. I think the music business is actually considering Um Doing maybe something like of Burden Cage um on uh on many different levels. I think they are realizing that the gaming industry has a lot of money. Yeah, and it's about
1: time. Yeah, right?
2: I'm actually super... I'm going to rant now. I don't know what your question even is, but this will end up with me ranting about the the music.
1: And the mic drop in the end. (laughs) Perfect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We can do that. Um, So nowadays, uh, music is already looking into marketing through gamification, you know, through apps and through, you know, game-like stories on social media and stuff like that. Um, The apps are mostly... uh, you know, the typical, uh, cheap, well, not cheap, but, you know, inexpensive templates that you can, um, customize a little bit. You can probably customize, you know, the, the design and colors and, uh, put, make them according to your release, your album or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously, a uh, uh, a story or, or, or in general, a game like the one you made is, has a lot more work and costs a lot more money than musicians can invest. Yeah. Um, how do you think it would be, it would still be possible to combine these two, um, big markets and make it sustainable for, uh, bands big and small, um, to, uh, yeah, to have some, to get some source of income or, or, you know, just produce maybe some more multimedia pieces of art.
2: Okay. So I, yeah, I, I will rant now. Um, a good start would be, uh, because as funny as it is, I think that this question, I'm actually one of the more qualified people to, to answer because we went through all that. Like, uh, we talked to, we talked to labels, we talked to game publishers, we talked to private investors, we talked to startup investors, we talked to angels, we talked to accelerators, whatever. Um, and about this like combination of, of gaming and, uh,
0: uh, music. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And I I will kind of say that at least from my perspective, the fault why this is, hasn't happened yet is the music industry, period. Um, of course. And I mean, it doesn't have to be that way, right? It could have been also the gaming industry's fault that they don't understand music, but gaming, the, the music industry is really, again, by the way, stuck 20 years behind no one there understands gaming no one there is trying to understand gaming okay. you're talking to huge publishers and they are like i it, it's hard to explain how little they know about gaming like e- even just understanding what it takes for example we had a meeting with a uh one of the top labels in, in the world right
3: mm-hmm. um
2: and they wanted to um do like check the possibility of making a game for a huge band that everyone here knows, but I'm I'm gonna skip names, right? Then we're starting the meeting, da, 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 and da Then they're asking like how how much this will cost, and we're like, well, you know, like depends on the size and the graphics and what we do, da da da. But you know, well, uh, we maybe it can start from half a million and go, you know, f- from there. And Mm -hmm. at at this point, and and by the way, they're they're really nice people and everything, but at this point they stopped the meeting and they were like, yeah, so we were like going into this meeting by thinking, you know, um, you're going to say a number, then we're going to say like maybe 15, and then hopefully we can decide on a 20K. Um, And if you're saying like half a million is the minimum, then like, what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say is that they they don't understand how the thing works. Same Mm -hmm. logic we thought about licensing uh, a music like doing like birdcage, but for a band. And we talked to the band and their uh, music is owned by the label. So they connected us to the label and the band was telling the label, Hey, we want to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, At which point we started talking to the label and the label was like, right. So we want like a licensing deal. And we were like, wait, but we, we need to find budget for this. Like, you know, and, and it's doable, but we need to do all that. And they were like, you know, um, Yeah, we want like, I I don't remember, like, let's, let's say 30K. It wasn't 30K, but somewhere in this area for the licensing deal, which Mm -hmm. is kind of funny because they got really stuck on this point where we were like, always like, guys, we're only going to do this whole thing if we raise around a million. So we need to go to investors and publishers and stuff like that and tell them, hey, you know, like, we we have this LOI or something, like, not even an actual contract, right, that we can license, like, use this music and do this and use the band image. And they got stuck on this, like, 30K licensing. This is how we work, which yeah i'm just ranting as promised um I, I, I think the music industry doesn't realize games and that what they know is exactly on this level but like five years ago they weren't understanding anything now the understanding can be summed up to oh, they have money yeah and and by the way, if there is one hate one thing the gaming industry hates is this um, mm-hmm. because as you said like like i I know this will sound funny, but gamers are, like today's gamers are the 80s metalheads. They are Mm -hmm. the uncool, unpopular kids that when they grew up people told them, like, you know, and our parents told us, this is not a job. And suddenly Mm -hmm. we are this $165 billion dollar industry a year while music is somewhere around 10. Um, And people from my generation, let's call it, don't really like um, when, you know, people are like trying to get into gaming because there is money in it. Mm-hmm. So usually this, like, there is a huge miscommunication between there and at least from my experience, and I'm coming from the music industry originally, mm-hmm. um, it's completely because of the music industry. They, I don't know, need to learn more about gaming and understand how this thing works.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And then,
2: sorry for the rant, and I don't know if that answered the question,
0: but uh, never sorry. No, <laughs> it's, it's obviously way more complicated, right? Uh, we would probably need uh, many, many uh, other episodes to discuss all of this. All of this, but yeah. um, it also comes back to copyright laws being so complicated and so outdated. Yes. Copyright laws are over a 100 years old and still have the repercussions uh now that for example there's a huge community on Twitch uh still suffering and still mourning um the um the death of Twitch sings right mm-hmm. um i don't know if um if our listeners know about this but Twitch sings was this karaoke um game made for streamers and uh the licensing um, was apparently well this is all um Twitch never really uh, offered a statement about their decision of stopping Twitch sings, but, um, there, there are rumors or their most logical rumors are that the licenses were just getting too, uh, expensive and they couldn't keep up, uh, giving us music for free to sing on to. And meanwhile, Uh, Twitch is owned by Amazon and Amazon has Amazon Music, which means they have the licenses to a lot of music, probably all the music in the world, right? And I don't know how that's not compatible. If they have licensing deals with music publishers and labels, how is that not compatible to let just people freaking sing karaoke? like i get also really <laughs> worked up about that <laughs> because yeah, i am one of those people who are still mourning the death <laughs> of sings, but um yeah i mean um those laws were not made for the for the internet age and it hasn't come to the to the lawmakers internationally or or maybe there's not enough of a of a lobby from the music industry to make these copyright laws um fitting to the age that we live right now Hmm.
2: I th- yes, like a, yeah, it's a huge problem. And as I said, like from, from our perspective, like, as I said, we're going to make the game, like, you know, the music completely free to
0: use. That's amazing. Yeah. It,
2: it, but, but also if I'm honest, it's not just because we're so nice, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was more of a like, no, just don't want to deal with this. Go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like do whatever yeah. you want with the music. Bye. Um, because as you say, the laws are, are insane. Um, and it can fall on like tiny stuff because yeah, in, in, I don't know, you know, 80 years ago, someone changed the law to do something that doesn't make sense today anymore. Um, there's a lot of clashing between like music licensing and, and games and that's, yeah, it's not a fun subject yes. so, and someone needs to solve it. And it has to be the music industry because <laughs> games are like, okay with paying for stuff and. Mm-hmm. And somehow we always get stuck on the the music industry and this problem never gets solved. And uh, if you ask me, it doesn't look like it's anywhere near being solved.
0: Yeah. And it seems also with the numbers you were just mentioning, it seems also to me like a bit of a vicious circle uh, because while um, independent musicians do crowdfunding campaigns for whole albums and get whole albums funded by, 10, maybe 20,000 euro. And if you then are looking, uh, you have to look to almost millions uh, to be able to produce uh, uh, a game like that, you know, to tap into this market for real, yeah. then it needs uh, a bigger investment that the music industry is probably not not ready to, to make.
3: Yes.
2: Um, I will say uh, two points here. One is that independent musicians also, and labels, by the way, nowadays, like back in the, I don't know, eighties, the labels were the evil, you know, monster that takes all the money from the musicians. I I don't know if anyone checked on labels nowadays, but they're not doing well. Mm -hmm. Um, like even universal and, and those guys are not doing well, definitely the, the smaller ones, um, me, the music industry not by its own fault, but kind of became a bunch of hungry wolves. you know what I mean, and everyone mm-hmm. are like very busy with surviving and, and and it's it's not because the people are bad it's because you know like you need money to survive and suddenly yeah. uh, like the labels suddenly are interested in this licensing deal now, and not let's see what happens with the game in four years um so, yeah, like, like you said, it's kind of a, a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yes. For example, Birdcage, I can give that as an example. We don't have a label. And we don't have a label not because we didn't talk to labels. We don't have a label because, I, and again, you know what? Maybe the music is crazy bad and and no one wants it and cool. But at, at the end of the day, like this project didn't find any label to work with right which to me is a bit funny because again on the money side i don't know we're probably bigger than the labels the marketing budget that we have is probably bigger than any marketing budget that any band in the you know symphonic metal
3: genre Mm -hmm.
2: ever had and and we couldn't and we didn't even care about the money so much um But there isn't, like, a common language to to talk. So whenever we were talking to labels, they were super confused about what do we even want. Our team didn't understand why are they there even. Like, we actually had people in in our team, like, when I was talking to labels, asking, like, why? You know, like, what what will they do for us?
3: Mm -hmm. So I
2: think those two worlds, like, have uh, a long way to go. Until they are united, even though there are so many reasons to unite them.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's yeah. true. And I think, uh, yeah, that's a good ending for this episode. But um, we've been talking about gaming and music so much that I have a small recommendation for you people out there. Because um, if you listen to this episode, you might probably <laughs> be in both in meta and gaming. And um, there's a band out there. Um, Right now, they are quite small, but I think they might get big in the future. They are called Horizons and they made a song about the game Dark Souls. And there is also a video out there with footage from the game. And yeah, the song is basically about the game, which I think is a really cool thing to do. (laughs) So, yeah, thank you so much, Arnold, for being here, for being our guest in this episode. It um, super fun. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and yeah, thank you people out there for listening. You can follow us um, on Spotify and Stitcher or wherever you listen to the podcast. So you'll never miss another episode. Um, and you can find the show notes to this, where you can also find all the videos that we mentioned during this episode at metal and dash com slash podcast 90. Yeah. And we're also everywhere on social media. Um, Arnold where can people find out more about of bird and cage uh
2: so the best place is on Steam where they can wish list it and then get an email when it's released on may twentieth now I'm doing advertising yeah um, so <laughs> go on Steam and wish list that's uh the most important thing uh We have a website of bird cage and uh facebook twitter the usual stuff pretty much uh google it you know youtube and uh start with steam it's uh this is usually the best place to start
1: (laughs) yeah um yeah perfect so Thank you. And also a big thanks goes out to the band Mercy Isle who made our jingle, which is based on the song Storm. (laughs) I always uh, mix the the album title and everything, but yeah, the song is called Storm and um, the the album is called Undying Fight. So check them out if you have a minute. Yeah. So thank you for being here. Thank you out there for listening. Have a good day, night, evening, whenever you listen to us. And yeah, bye-bye.